Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment, visit our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You will find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now today's episode. My name is Adam Homie. I'm your host. I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. We are going to have a great conversation about how pay-per-click and digital marketing can drive success in today's economy. We've had a few conversations on similar topics here on Business Creators Radio, and every so often, somebody arrives on my doorstep, and I look at what they have to offer, and I say, yes, this is a point of view that I think is worth considering. In that light, in that light I would like to introduce all of you to Stu Atkins, who is the, a marketing consultant, speaker, author, and adjunct professor of digital marketing at the largest school of business in California, which is Cal State's Fullerton Mahalo, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, College of Business and Economics. After working in corporate marketing for over 20 years with companies such as Toshiba America and Kingston Technology, Stewart founded Atkins Marketing Solutions in 2008, a small digital marketing agency based in Orange County, California. Stu helps businesses feed, excuse me, find their customers, tell their story, and audit their marketing. He is the author of two books, which means he's got me beat by half a book, Winning the Battle for Attention, Internet Marketing for Small Businesses, and Small Business Marketing, a Guide for Survival, Growth, and Success. He holds an MBA from Pepperdine University, and I, of course, as you know, hold an MBA from Duquesne University. I'm really liking this guy so far. Let's have him in. Stu Atkins, come on in. The weather's fine. Hi, Adam. How are you? Fantastic. This will be from one MBA to another MBA, so we're really going to confuse people. <laughs> I think we'll be okay. I think we'll be okay. What our <laughs> listener, what our listeners know, those who tune in regularly, the Business Creators Radio Show, is that our format is not. We do have questions where I share questions and the guest gives answers, and every so often the guest flips it on me and shares a question with me and wants me to answer it. What's great about our format is when you tune in to our episodes every week, it's like sitting in on a private mastermind session where you see brilliance and passion bouncing off each other and new insights that perhaps none of us saw up until now emerge based on what we just heard or what we just said. We're going to have so much fun here today with Stu, I can tell you that. Before we dive into pay-per-click and digital marketing and all this stuff about today's economy, what we like to do, as our listeners know, is take a quick step back and just get to know a little bit more. So, Stu, I read off your official bio. It's extremely impressive, and I got a broad sense of your career trajectory, but tell us a little bit more about your journey and what's brought you to where you are today serving, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion while making a difference for your community market and audience. Okay, thank you, Adam. Really appreciate you having me on. This, it is going to be fun. Uh, you did go over my brief bio, but I'll, I'll tell you, uh, I'll give you a little bit additional background to it that I think will help. 
So after working in corporate America for the 20, 25 plus years, uh, I went through a couple of layoffs near the end of my quote unquote corporate career. And so I decided, I said to myself, you know what, I've been doing uh, marketing for everybody else. Why don't I do it for myself? So I founded my digital marketing agency, Atkins Marketing Solutions in 2008. And I, it was an opportunity to reinvent myself, reinvent myself, my career. So I started that company in 2008. It was one of the best decisions I ever made. I also went back into teaching. Uh, I only teach, well, I've been teaching since 2008. Uh, I used to teach more classes. Now I only teach one class a semester because my agency's been growing so much, but I still love to teach. I teach upper division marketing seniors and MBA students. I still keep my toe dipped in the water of, of teaching. I love to give back to the community. Uh, my students are, are very bright, very sharp, and it's my way to bring the real world of marketing into the classroom. In fact, the beginning of every class I teach, I do what's called a small business story of the week. And I go through a case study with an actual client I've either worked with in the past or currently and ask the students questions and give them a real world dose of what's happening, not just the ac academic part of it. So back to my agency, I started my agency and uh, started, I, I've probably, I've consult, consulted and worked with over 250 plus small businesses since 2008. And uh, small, the small business arena is really my focus, 50% of all uh, individuals in America uh, and even globally, it's a big portion, are, are employed by small businesses. It's a big chunk of our our economy, it's a very important fuel and driver of economic growth. And I really love digital marketing. Uh, I, I, over the past three or four years, I've started to focus more and more into the niche of pay-per-click advertising and paid search uh, because of how well it captures intent of who's, of who's searching. And I also, as foundational to that, I use my consulting and extensive corporate marketing background to supplement that. So I, I, like you said, I'm also a speaker. I, I speak in public on a regular basis. I wrote a couple of books and really focused on an entrepreneur uh, to focus on multiple revenue streams as I started my business and my agency. And as I mentioned, Adam, it's, it's one of the best decisions I ever made. I didn't realize I had an entrepreneurial spirit in me until I actually started running my own company and it's been very rewarding and it's like I said one of the best decisions I ever made. That's quite a story and the first thing I want to mention is uh, if I had my MBA program to do over again I would love to have you as one of my adjunct instructors. Oh I'd love to have you as a student. <laughs> and, I, and I'll tell you why because some, I don't know what it was about how you told the story but it reminded me of my economics uh, professor who was an adjunct instructor at uh, in my MBA program. Now I'd taken econ in college and I'd done intro to econ and stuff like that. And in a lot of those courses, they got straight into those supply and demand curves. And it's like, yeah. what the hell are we we're plotting these curves and when does it go up and when does it bell and when does it dip and all that. And this, uh, and this gentleman came to the room and he said, I promise you, two things. First of all, they made me assign you a textbook because that's the university's policy. If the yeah. textbook says one thing and I say another, I'm right and they're wrong. That's promise number one because yeah. I'm out there doing it. Yeah. Promise number two, <laughs> promise number two, 
is I promise you will not, I will not make you even look at a single curve or a single chart until you understand how to create a recession. Right, right. <laughs> and he was true to that word. And because of that approach, I now have that level of understanding, even 20 years later, of macro and microeconomics, where I can explain using those charts how inflation and deflation work and how to create a recession, how to create economic growth. I mean, I don't think the government's going to hire me to help with their trajectory, but I at least have that level of understanding. So that's what I mean about you seem like that kind of guy who is going to be the one who brings the actual hands-on into the classroom and relates it to what your students are going to be doing with that information as they go forward using their degree. Exactly. No, you're, you're right on the money. And in fact, the first night of my class, I, I tell them, I said, uh, uh, my job is not to come in here and regurgitate the textbook to you. You're going to read the textbook, but my job is not to regurgitate that to you. My job is to bring the real world in the, into the classroom. And I say, if you apply yourself, uh, I will almost guarantee you, based on past student experience, you're going to get a job as a result of this classroom because there's a lot of companies out there and I know because I work in it every day that really need digital marketing and they need to get a handle around this and to understand it and apply it and generate sales and revenue and return on investment and return on ad spend. So if you apply yourself, you're going to learn something. And uh, students, they absolutely love that small business story of the week. They always mention it. And uh, so it, it is very rewarding. In fact, I've hired a couple of students uh, for my agency and uh, it's it's just a great opportunity uh, to to give back to the community also. That's awesome. And as we dive into our topic today, thank you so much for sharing. Sure. You know, I became aware of how ubiquitous a digital marketing strategy is. As a public speaker, I was speaking in stages and doing breakout trainings back in the day where a lot of companies, believe it or not, still do not have websites. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah. It dawned on me we had evolved past that when I did three speaking engagements in a row and I thought I was going to zing the audience with the question, do you have a website? And I got these, everybody raised their hand and they had these bemused looks on their faces. And the third time I did it in a two-month span, somebody said, do you ever speak on stage? Now, I'm thinking, okay, he's being kind of an ass to me. Like, why yeah, yeah. are you heckling me, right? But then I, but then I recognized uh, I could, I could, uh, I could, I could play with this, and we turned into a little bit of a comedy routine. And sure. I flipped it too because I, it dawned on me at that point that we had moved beyond the point where a website was actually a differentiator. And I think we're at the point today where incorporating digital strategy in your business is no longer a differentiator. It's something you kind of need to do. So I want to hear in your terms, by your definition, why should we incorporate digital strategy in our business? Uh, well, you, you, really have to have, you really have to have a strategic approach. Uh, in fact, the class I teach is, is called Strategic Internet Marketing. It's the only class I teach now. Uh, and um, uh, strategy is critical. Uh, for example, with a, with a website, you, you need to ask yourself one question, and that's, what's the objective of the website? Is your objective uh, lead generation? Is it e-commerce? Is it, uh, uh, w what's the purpose of the website? 
And if if you're aiming at everything, you're you're bound to hit nothing, and you can't just throw Jello on the wall and hope it's going to stick anymore. So uh, having an objective for even both the website and for your business is critically important. You also need to have uh, understand have an understanding of your business model. People often get confused between a business model and a business plan. A business model is how are you going to make money? How are you going to generate revenue? A business model is kind of the day-by-day functional aspects of a business. So, and I love what Seth Godin uh, says that there, there, there's one simple question uh, when someone comes to the homepage of a web- website that they're asking themselves. And that que- it's a two-word question. So what? And so when someone comes to a homepage, which is the most important part of a website, you need, you, you've got about eight to 10 seconds to capture their atten- attention and you have about eight to 10 seconds so they're not confused with who you are and what you do and how you're gonna benefit them. Uh, and you don't have much time in these days because the scary thing is if you don't capture their attention in that roughly five to 10 second window, they're gonna leave and they may never come back. So your strategy question is really critical because you want to have an objective for your website. You want to have, you you want to, what do you want them to accomplish when they get to that page? What do you want them to do? What's the call to action? Do they need to download a PDF? Do they need to fill out a form fill? Do they need to make a phone call to you? Uh, Do they need to go to a certain blog post? So, so being very crystal clear on what you want them to do is really important. And that's all part of having an objective. And by objective, I don't mean a goal. An objective, I mean, what's your strategy? What do you want to specifically accomplish? And, and strategy is, is all a part of that. Objective and strategies go hand in hand. You can't have an effective strategy without objectives and, and vice versa. So, so your overall business needs to have a strategy, but your digital marketing needs to have a strategy also. Yeah, you know, it's very interesting about this. We recently relaunched the website for the consulting arm of our business. And yes. what's interesting about that is pretty much every single road on that website leads to scheduling an introductory call with me. The yes. call to action on every single blog post is a widget that installs on that blog post that has a big button that drives people to our scheduler form. The punchline of pretty much every web page is that. Even when people download our free action guide, which I have on there for list building, it's mostly expressed as a banner in the sidebar on some of the pages. The follow-ups on that lead lead inexorably in one direction. Sign up for a discovery session. I have other websites I can do other things with, but that particular website, the goal is to get my best prospects on a Zoom call with me. Yeah, that's great. That's great because, and you're 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 exactly right, Adam. Because, and, and every web page on your site, or at least the ones you want some some action to take place, you, there needs to be one or two things you want them to do. One, and ideally, one critical call to action. So when they come to that page. You need to ask yourself, what do you want this visitor to do? What step do you want them to take? And you want to have the page designed so there's minimal disruption and and minimal things that are going to uh, sidetrack them. But you're, you're exactly right. That single dedicated call to action is critical. 
Yeah. And there's something else I'd like to introduce as well. And I think this is relevant when it comes to digital marketing is let's look at the avatar who, who would visit our business consulting site. This is somebody who in most cases already has an idea who I am. They already have an inkling. They may be looking for a business consultant to help them in certain areas, or they're a reader of my book, Groundhog Day is an Event, Not a Business Strategy, because that website is based on the spring formula that I expound upon in my book. So those two are linked together in that way. So the idea is this is, I mean, while I wanted to get great search engine marketing results, this is the avatars for a visitor to this website is somebody who already knows who I am and is looking to explore further. So I keep that in mind as well. And for our article uh, database, because we have many, many articles, uh, I'm less worried about word counts. Some of these articles are really long, some are really short, some are actually 600 words. And I'm not as worried about optimizing the titles and the URLs for search engine purposes as I am on having titles that make people say, oh God, I gotta check this out. Right. Because I want people to draw into it. I actually spent more time going through each of the 71 original articles, creating interlinking strategies based on provocative phrases to create what I like to call the Wikipedia experience. And, I've, and for our listeners, what that means is, you know how if you open up a Wikipedia article, by the time you've read that article, you've usually opened up like eight other articles in separate tabs so you can go back and read them later? Yeah. Yep. That's what I'm aiming for. Yeah, no, that's great. And, and that, that internal linking strategy is very important uh, on, on your website from a basic SEO standpoint. Uh, like your website, my, I have a lot of content on mine. I have about 350 blog posts that I've written. There's a lot of free, good marketing information on my website. And content is, is very important, but it needs to be relevant. It needs to be specific. It needs to be value-oriented content that is going, going to help, uh, help your visitors. I, I, have a, I have a fantastic story about the power of a blog post. May I tell it? Please. This is what we, this is what we live for on okay. Business Creators Radio Show. Take it away, Stu. Okay. Right. I, wrote, I wrote a blog post in 2012 called The Product and the Toilet Seat. The reason I wrote a blog post about a, a toilet seat, let me tell you the story. One of the two uh, toilet seats in our home broke. So I, I was, my wife sent me off to Home Depot. I went looking for a toilet seat. There are all types of toilet seats. You walk into Home Depot and there, there's a half, a half an aisle full of toilet seats. Yep. There, there are stainless steel toilet seats. There are toilet seats that will wash you. There are toilet seats that will play music that are toilet seats that will light up. There are $5 toilet seats, there are $500 toilet seats. So I saw that and I immediately, the, the, the light bulb went off on my brain and I said, this is a great idea for a blog post. So I wrote a blog post entitled The Toilet and the Product Seat, The Toilet Seat and the Product. And, and it basically explains how you can take a commodity, simple product, and how do you turn it into a premium, premium niche product? So I wrote that blog post 2012. It turns out the CEO of a $10 million toilet seat company read that blog post and he goes, oh, this was written for me. Then he read my website, the, all my blogs for a two year period. He brought, bought my first book in 2014. And in 2014, he ended up becoming a six figure client of mine. Wow. 
all because of that product in the toilet seat blog post. So, so I, 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 I hesitate to put a lid on this, but I like to flush out the issue on a regular basis. But one stinking blog post, pun intended, got me a six-figure client. And Adam, that really woke me up because it just shows the power of content. It, had, I, had that toilet seat not broken, I would have lost a lot of money that year. So the, 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 the point is content is really powerful and you need to be creative with your content and write as frequently as possible. And, but you never know the power of a simple blog and what, who, who it's going to resonate with and how it's going to impact uh, your agency. And it woke me up severely that year. And I realized, wow, this is, this is amazing. So I wish I, I wish that would happen every month, but it doesn't. But uh, it, it, it was just, it's, it's a great story I tell all the time, and it, it really shows the power of content. I would like to point out something for our listeners, because this is, this is key. We discuss search engine marketing, search engine optimization, and we also cover how to use the media to get people to visit your website. If you're being interviewed on a major or some call a mainstream news network, which is what a lot of people aspire to, regardless of their opinions of the media, yep. they know full well that you cannot get on that media outlet and tell people over and over again to go to your website and download your special report. Just yep. like, you know, being an experienced guest on podcasts and internet radio shows, that if you came on here and just kept dropping your website link over and over and over and over again, that, that uh, you'd be seen as somebody who just tried to sell something and you wouldn't be getting a lot of bookings. Exactly. So let's set all that aside. And what you did, and I want our listeners to know this, was absolutely what they need to be doing. You told a story about a post you wrote called The Product and the Toilet Seat. You gave the exact word-for-word -word title. So you're telling a story uh, about a success you had, and you just mentioned the, the title of the article. While you were telling that story, I went to your website, AtkinsMarketingSolutions.com, used the search bar, and I have that article right in front of me right now. Yeah, so that's just the way. So just the way you positioned the story and the embedded commands and the implied triggers you put in how you told the story drives people to visit your webpage and seek out that article and it raises their curiosity about you. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And, and uh, it, the, I, I want my content to provide value. I mean, I mean, uh, my goal here is I don't need to pitch my business. My business will take care of itself and you're kind right. enough to interview me. And, and uh, uh, as you'll notice that, that simple block, that's uh, in, in in today's parlay, that's a pretty short blog blog post. Google recommends now blog post in, in about the 800 to 1200 word range to get the maximum uh, uh, efficiency now. And uh, Google tends to crawl websites with content that's more in depth and longer now. So that's an important point. But it still proves the point that just a simple blog post created that six-figure client that, that year. And I, I think if companies would realize if you write quality content to begin with, you don't have to pitch because it pitches for itself. The goal is to add value. And if you add value, you don't have to sell in a hard fashion because it sells for you. 
And that is the point that I wanted to make by doing that little pause and explaining the brilliance of what you just did and the way you told that story. And Thank if you, you're and I appreciate that. exactly. And for those of our listeners who either are or are looking to get on major media and to get booked on a lot of different podcasts, internet radio shows, use that strategy. It is so subliminally powerful to just use that very natural conversational tone and say, Hey, I wrote a blog post called, uh, you know, using the title that you used and they know your name so they can bing the Yahoo, all the Googles for your name. They can find your website. They can use a search bar on that website. And another tactic that they may attempt is they may simply type in their favorite search engine, the word for word name of the blog post with your name after it and see what pops up. Yeah. Yep, that, that's, a, that's actually a very common media tactic that they don't often share in free articles. So that's a, a little nugget of brilliance and passion for our listeners today. So, yeah, yeah so about pay-per-click and digital marketing. Uh, in, I mean, I think we're at a point where a lot of businesses need to do it. Some still don't. Some uh, go back and forth on what platform they should use. So what I'd like to do is just ask a general question and we can narrow it down. Uh, sure. What... In what way specifically should businesses look at incorporating paper, you know, pay-per-click particularly into their marketing plan or their marketing strategy and how does that play out in real time? Uh, great question. Uh, pay-per-click advertising or sometimes called PPC advertising. Essentially, uh, let me briefly explain what it is. Some people, some people, they've heard the term but they're not exactly sure what it does. We're talking Google ads or Microsoft, what used to be called Bing is now Microsoft ads. Uh, Facebook has a paid search platform. LinkedIn even does now from a B2B standpoint. Uh, Pay-per-click advertising is, it's essentially an auction. You set up keywords in a Google ad account and then you, uh, uh, you actually bid on those keywords. You set up a cost structure. And uh, when someone, when someone, sees your ad that you set up uh, on the Google search engine, you don't, they're not charged for that ad until, unless they click on it. When they click on it, they go to your website. Now the beauty of pay-per-click advertising is that it, it captures demand, but most importantly, it captures intent. And the reason it captures intent is because it's designed to start with a warm lead to begin with. If you set up the keyword structure prop properly, for example, in Google Ads or Bing Advertising, uh, you're only going to be capturing people looking for your specific product or service category. It could be branded. It could be non-branded, uh, depending on your company and the popularity of your products and how well your brand is known. But uh, uh, by capturing intent, you're already starting with an interested customer are a potential lead. You're not throwing jello on the wall and hoping it's gonna stick. Now, it can work in just about any industry. Not, not every business is gonna benefit from pay-per-click pay advertising, but most do. And I have, I have clients that are high-tech, I have clients that are low-tech. I have a high-tech paid search client that's a global publicly held company in, in a very high-tech area, internet of things and out-of-band management. I have another client that, that uh, uh, I've had clients that do swim schools in three different states. I've had clients that 
that uh, are in the health management area. I've had clients that sell ATMs. Uh, all different types of industries can benefit from paid search. What it does, and e-commerce also. I have a client that works in uh, Backflow Water Products, an e-commerce site nationwide, and e-commerce can be very effective. But what pay-per-click does so well, Adam, is lead generation. And because it captures intent, you're starting with a warm lead, not a cold yep. lead, because cold calling is basically dead. And, and when you're starting with a warm lead, it, it increases the net profit margin from your advertising because you're already starting with an interested customer. One other thing I want to explain briefly, there's, there's two types of searches on the internet. There's organic traffic, free organic traffic. It's in the middle of the search engine page. And then there's pay-per-click traffic. That's at the four ads at the top and three at the bottom. On mobile, it's only three ads at the top. Often people, they say, you, you, you'll get an email from someone saying, uh, or from a company saying, we can get you on the first page of Google. <laughs> do you want to be on the first page of Google, quote unquote? Yeah, yeah. I do. <laughs> Everybody does, but it's not that easy. Because now 75% of internet searchers they don't go be uh, visitors don't go beyond the first page of a search engine browser. They only only twenty five percent will go to page two. So with, with SEO is what applies to that free organic traffic. But SEO is like gardening; it takes time. You have to cultivate the content. You've got to have the right keyword set up, the structure of your website. You've got to water it. It takes at least at least six to twelve months of a, of a solid uh, SEO strategy to start to generate traffic. And even right. if that happens, it's very difficult to get on the first page. So the beauty of pay-per-click advertising, you can get on the first page of, of Google and you can get at the top of the first page, the top of the fold, that top 20% within 24 to 48 hours. Now that's not to say SEO shouldn't be utilized. The best strategy is to apply both good SEO with pay-per-click advertising at the same time. And we often do that. My agency doesn't do SEO, but I work with associate partners that are experts in SEO. So that high technology company I just mentioned, we're running both high quality SEO and paid search at the same time for lead generation. And on the lead generation side, there's two things, phone calls and form fills. And those work very effectively to, uh, to generate leads. But, but there's often confusion between organic traffic and paid search. People do click on those ads. You'd be surprised, especially people with a high commercial intent a phrase that they've typed in. There's a 65 plus percent chance they will click on an ad if they're looking for a specific product or service they want to buy. A company called WordStream did a, a, did a major study of about 25,000 plus uh, Google ad and Bing accounts. And those potential customers that, that typed in a high commercial intent phrase, for example, buy stainless steel dishwasher, have a much higher chance of clicking on that ad versus those that are just doing an information search like uh, who is Thomas Edison. So uh, it, paid search is very effective. That the cost of the average cost per click depends on the industry. Uh, you know, for for a, for an attorney, the legal field, it can be a very expensive average cost per click, and the twenty-five to fifty to hundred dollar cost per click. 
For a real estate agent, it can be in the two to $5 range. It really varies. Every industry is different. That's why it's important that detailed research is done to find the average cost per click. And then you put together um, you know, the, the adequate monthly budget you need on ad spend. And then uh, you're kind of off and running. But there's a lot of detail involved into it. And, but it can be a very effective strategy for most businesses, small, medium, and large corporations. Yeah, and what you point out, one of the things that left out with me is when you said high commercial intent, and then you paired that phrase with how they would query a search engine, where they're querying a question like, buy a dishwasher or buy stainless steel dishwasher. That implies, you know, that implies that type of intent where they're not looking to discover the magic of dishwashers. They want a stainless steel dishwasher to match their stainless steel kitchen because their previous stainless steel dishwasher just broke. That's right. It's a week before Thanksgiving. The dishwasher broke and mom is upset. She sends her husband out. You get a dishwasher and get it now because we got people, we have 20 people coming to eat turkey. Yeah. Um, I remember a few weeks ago, uh, my, my printer broke the printer I'd had for 10 years no I did not smash this printer some of our listeners who have read my book Groundhog Day is an event not a business strategy are familiar with the story about how I got frustrated with my client from hell and took it out of my printer and smashed into a thousand pieces and now that led to a business lesson about the power of entrepreneurship yada 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 so but no I didn't smash this one it was just a 10 year old printer and the heads wore out and it wouldn't print anymore now this happened right at the beginning of all this stay-at-home stuff with the pandemic and what have you. So I could not go into an Office Depot or a Best Buy and actually look at printers. I had to rely on an internet query to tell me what kind of printer had the features and benefits I was looking for and the price range I was willing to invest because I don't do a lot of printing. Uh, uh, but But when I need it, I need it now. And, uh, and have the ability to basically virtually pick something off the shelf. I had a high commercial intent. So I found the printer. I contacted the local Best Buy to confirm they had that printer. I had them wheel it out to the front door, and I had them uh, drop it in my trunk when I got there. That's an example of high commercial intent. Start to finish 30 minutes. Uh, 11 o'clock in the morning, my old printer gives up the ghost. 11.30, I'm plugging in my new one. Yep, that's great. That's yeah. Great. So I'm just, I'm just saying that's, that's an example of high commercial intent for our listeners and how a search engine marketing strategy should pay homage to that and take into consideration. You may have that type of motivated buyer. In fact, when I spoke with Best Buy, I said, look, I'm a motivated buyer. I live five minutes from you. I'm ready to come down in my car right now and pick this thing up. I just need to confirm you actually have one and it actually does these five things I need out of a printer. Yeah, Pretty simple great. conversation. Yeah, that's great. And and we it, it we can't we can't create demand, but we can capture demand. Yes. And, and 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 if you can capture intent, then you can you can capture the demand that is out there for customers that may be interested in your products or your services that you offer. And so capturing intent is is There is no other advertising tool in the history of advertising that captures intent better than paid search. That's why Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, uh, Instagram, in order to monetize their business models, they had to go to a paid search model. 
Google invented paid search, but those other social media platforms had to go to a monetized model in order to stay in business. And 90 plus percent of Google's revenue comes from paid search. So we know it works, but the account, the accounts have to be set up properly. And that's, that's kind of where, you know, digital agents, agencies come in that, that specialize in that area to, to help small businesses. Some companies do it in house. Some companies uh, uh, hire an agency and some companies try uh, uh, hire a specialist as an employee to do it. It really varies with the budgets, the needs, and what the company's uh, uh, goals are. Exactly. So I agree with everything you've said, and I also like this concept of capturing intent. I think that's probably the golden nugget and the aha moment for our entire conversation. I see so many businesses out there that look to create demand for something rather than look for the intent and the demand that are already out there and simply tap into it. No, exactly. And because what's so powerful, Adam, is you're already starting with a warm lead. If you're capturing intent, <clears throat> you're, excuse me, you're already starting with a warm lead. So, so the marketing funnel that we see all the time where you've got brand awareness at the top and it works its way down. Intent is near the bottom of the funnel. And if you, if you can capture intent from the beginning, you're already most of the way down the marketing funnel. You don't have to spend tons of, uh, you know, radio advertising, TV advertising. It's designed for a brand awareness push. And not that you don't want to do that, but it can be very expensive. Pay-per-click advertising starts near the bottom of the funnel. So because you're already starting with a warm lead and a customer that's already in a purchase mode, it in the long run, it costs you far less to acquire that customer. And the beauty of paid search is you can measure, for example, a lot of companies don't realize they need to measure what does it cost you to acquire a customer. So if you're spending $1,000 a month in advertising and, and you get 10 leads, that costs you $100 to acquire that lead. If, you, if you're spending $1,000 a month and you get 20 leads, then it's $50 to acquire that, that, that lead. So you can compare that to other advertising tools you're using. Let's say you're advertising on radio. You spent $10,000 in radio and you got 10 leads. Well, that was $1,000 to acquire each of those leads. You can do a comparative analysis of traditional and digital advertising. You can also use for one client it was a large uh home services company in the carpet cleaning area they serviced la and the orange county area they were spending like ten to twenty thousand dollars a month on radio advertising a lot of money it reached a saturation point which radio sometimes does but what we did when they can they continued to advertise on radio and we also did paid search for them now, people driving in their car during rush hour are going to be listening to radio often. So what we did, we correlated the searches. And so that person listening in the car, hopefully they're not going to do a search while they're driving. They're going to go home and they're going to, they're going to do a search on carpet cleaning. We could correlate those searches with when the radio spots were running. And we allowed both radio and paid search to work together and work effectively to do both a traditional radio and a more modern digital advertising campaign. The two can work together. You can do it for postcard mailers and paid search, radio, TV, 
So you can utilize traditional advertising with the digital advertising. They can actually complement each other. Yeah, that's very true. And I love that analysis you gave us. I think that was, I think that was great. So let's say uh, somebody was looking to get started down this path of the pay-per-click and the digital marketing the way that Stu Atkins does it. What, how, how would you suggest they begin? Because this can get pretty detailed and, frankly, very big. Do you mean, uh, do you mean if they want to do it themselves or if they want to look for an agency or both? Let's take both approaches because we have both types of listener. Okay. Okay. It's a great question. Uh, so if you want to do paid search yourself, now, I, I, when I first got started, uh, I've been doing paid search for a long time, 10, 11 years at least. And I taught myself essentially how to do it. It takes time and effort and research and practice. You don't just dive in and you're going to get results. So if you wanted, if you're, let's say you're a small business owner and you want to start running a Google ads campaign, you, sure you can call Google and they can help you, but you've also got to take the time and the effort because there are uh, digital marketing campaigns are, are more and more complicated now. So one of the biggest mistakes people do is that uh, the keyword structure is critical. You have to start with the right keywords. What people often do, they have way too many keywords. It's set for broad match keywords and, and the ad copy they set up for the, the ad structure doesn't really match the keyword structure. So one, one of the biggest faults I see in Google ads campaigns is there's way too many keywords and everything set for broad match, which means you're gonna be spending a lot of money and what's gonna happen, it's called the Google stupidity tax. You're going to be spending a lot of money because you're going to be grabbing searches for keywords that really aren't relevant. Secondly, they don't set up a negative keyword structure. So if you're selling, if you're selling baseball hats and, someone's, and it's set for broad match and someone does a search for ladies hats, you're going to get people that aren't interested in baseball hats. So you want to set up a negative keyword for the word ladies. So, so females that are looking for hats aren't going to be part of, of the clicks and the cost relative to your ad spend. So the keyword structure and, it, and then also you have, there, there's remarketing campaigns you can set up, there's display ads, there's uh, audience targeting you can do now, bidding structure, manual bidding uh, and, and automated bidding, algorithmic bidding. And because the platforms are getting more and more nuanced, Someone that goes in and tries to do it themselves, it can, it, it can be done partially, but you have to be really careful because the search engines want you to spend money. The, the role of a good agency is to protect you from spending too much money and making sure that your account is set up professionally. The right keyword structure, the right bidding structure, the ad copy. Um, if you don't use the right keywords in conjunction with the right uh, ad copy, your quality score is going to drop. The high, uh, Google uh, has a quality score from zero to 10. The higher the quality score, actually you save a little bit, in, bit of money and cost per click. Um, there's also what's called advanced call tracking. If you do lead generation, uh, there's mobile click to call setup, but we often set up advanced call tracking where calls that come in are recorded on a permission basis. 
and then the actual client can listen to those calls. It's a great training tool for new employees. And the advanced call tracking is really effective. Google doesn't offer that feature. Now, that's not to say a person, but that individual, if they did it themselves, would have to pay for that call tracking, the monthly subscription. Agencies, I pay thousands of dollars a year for advanced tools that I use to make sure my clients get optimum uh, click-through rates, exposures, lead generation, and, 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 and we also are very detailed in the reporting. So, so the key performance metrics that, relative to what we talked about earlier, monthly ad spend divided by the number of leads. And so every, every click is a measured event. Everything leads to a measured event. So we can calculate return on investment, return on ad spend. And, and so if someone's going to do AdWords themselves, they need to realize it takes time and effort. And the problem is a typical small business owner is so busy running their business, they're not going to have time to run AdWords effectively. So it's that balance. They can bring a professional in. They're going to have to hire someone to do that. And, and that's a potential, or they can hire an agency. There's kind of three different models there, but it's much more involved now than it used to be. And uh, often people, they dive into it and they realize, wow. Uh, and they don't realize the mistakes they're making because they're not professionals in the area. So you just have, I often say, and I think you're going to like this, <clears throat> if you think it's expensive to hire a professional, wait till you hire an amateur. Uh, I, I'm familiar. So, so I, I'm not trying to be self-serving here and say, oh, just only use an agency. That's not my point. No, I'm not, I'm not getting that feel at all. I'm getting your and, laying and, out people's options. Go ahead. And, and, and so my, my point is um, a lot of the digital, for example, Facebook uh, pay-per-click advertising and digital advertising in Facebook. It's not just as sure you can post on your Facebook business page and then just boost it. That's one way to do it. You pick the audiences. If you go doing Facebook pay-per-click advertising now is extremely nuanced. You can do lookalike audiences where you upload emails and then Facebook goes out and targets based on those personas or those, 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 those profiles and finds new customers that match your email list profiles. Then there's, uh, there's multiple audience tar targeting and multiple boxes you can click within Facebook that if you don't know what you're doing, you're, you're gonna, it's going to be the, the, the Facebook stupidity tax that you get also. So I paid it. Th th there, there's a lot of nuances in digital platforms. You just really have to be careful and you can spend money that you either don't have or you don't realize you're wasting unless, unless it's set up properly. I've paid that tax. Um, I'll tell you a couple ways I paid the, the Facebook stupidity tax. One of which was <laughs> candidly participating in one of their programs. Uh, and I bailed out of it when it became fairly clear that uh, it seemed like I was paying a lot of money for something and I wasn't uh, getting any return on this at all. And, uh, and, I, and then what happened is I paused the campaign for one day just so that I could uh, reassess things and restart it. And they said, 
well, you paused the campaign, you're out of our program. Well, what, is, what did that have to do about turning in, me into a lifelong customer of Facebook ads? And then I dealt with some supervisor there who came up with this cockamamie theory that I was trying to use their platform to do affiliate marketing when I don't do affiliate marketing. So you right. have, uh, you had stupidity on, well, I'm going to say candidly, mostly on their side, but for me for buying into it because I didn't listen to someone like you and I didn't know to ask someone like you to get your level of insight on how to intelligently approach the platform so that I didn't get pulled into those vortexes. The other way, the other way I paid the Facebook stupidity task is when I was involved in promoting journeys to success and millennial edition to which I'm a contributor. And I took one of, and I took one section of my chapter in that book, which was about how I feel that how social media has altered the political landscape and the media landscape in this country, turned it into a blog post, posted on one of my business pages and then boosted it. And this was right before the 2016 presidential election. Uh, Walked away, uh, came back the next morning, a hundred dollars later, somehow, that I had this this thread of commenters who were screaming about how Evan McMullen was the next coming of Christ. And I'm thinking, <laughs> where did I get the Evan McMullen group tangent? Because basically his campaign was a tangent. It was, it was local and it appealed to a very specific niche. And how did I manage to find that? So on the one hand, I'm thinking, whoa, how did I get into that niche and how can I replicate this? pretty cool but on the other hand i'm thinking i was hoping for a rational discussion about how people use social media to advocate their views and instead i got the evan mcmullen tribe yeah like okay uh so both a a stupidity tax but at the same time uh huh if i manage to screw up and find this what else could i find yeah and so and you know social media um uh as we talked about paid search captures intent as, now, social media can be powerful. I would never uh, dismiss that. But social media is more disruptive advertising. We don't go on Facebook to find a product. What do we go on Facebook for? We go on Facebook to connect. We want to see what grandma's doing. We want to see what our high school you know, the buddies we haven't talked to in 30 years are doing. We want to see what our relatives are doing. We, we click on advertising in Facebook indirectly. And it can still be powerful. If you, if you do the audience targeting right, but, but, but that's why capturing intent with paid searches is, is really direct. I still utilize Facebook advertising for clients, and I'm, I'm doing more and more LinkedIn advertising, too. If you're in a B2B space, LinkedIn can be extremely powerful, and uh, I recently did a promotional video. That, uh, that video is on my website, the homepage, if, if you want to check it out later, but the, the point I'm trying to make is with, with any type of digital marketing tool, there's, there's something I always say. It's data plus time plus patience. Data plus time plus patience. And if you try to do it yourself, uh, you, you, you've got, a, and if you're using an agency, you have to be patient because sometimes you get results right away, but the data is like a language. And because we get so much valuable data if the accounts are set up properly, we can do very smart advertising and very smart uh, marketing. But we need to be patient because that data being like a language, it takes time to see what search phrases people are typing in. It takes time to see which ads are getting the highest click-through rate. It it takes time to see the view rate on the video if you're integrating 
uh, YouTube videos with the Google Ads campaign. And, you know, videos are the short story of the 21st century now, the 20th and the 21st century. And videos are powerful tools right now because we're all digital ADDs and we don't want to take too much time to watch something or read something because we tend to scan online and not read online. And we even read about 25% slower when we're online too. But, but patience is a really important attribute in digital marketing and the, the clients and companies I've worked with that get that, that get the data plus time plus patience and our patient have the most success. Yeah. And I and see, I, I like uh, the thing you said is data plus, plus patience plus time. And you also mentioned earlier in our conversation, in order for an effective search engine optimization or search engine marketing strategy to work, so you realistically need about six months of traction to get it going. You do. I, I, that's such a good point, Adam. I, often I tell a new client, I will say, uh, I, I will say, hopefully you'll get results in the first month or two. And sometimes they do. But I say a, a recommended time span is at least three to six months. And uh, uh, the, the clients that are, that are patient are going to see the most results. And I see it within my, my own advertising I do with my agency and with my clients. And uh, it, it, because it takes time to get the data and then act on the data. And the only way you're going to be able to act strategically, as you talked about earlier, is to let the data tell you what's happening and what's, what it gives you a, a, a window into the world of your customer's mind because search marketing, all search marketing is, is it's, it's tapping into the conversation going on inside of the brain of the person that sits down at the blinking cursor of Google or, or Bing or whatever the search engine is. And they're typing in what they're looking for, the conversation in their head. What do they want? What do they need? And the goal of it, from the blinking cursor at point A to point B being your website, you want the shortest distance between those two points. So, so, so finding and understanding the conversation that's going on inside of the head of the person searching is really important. And, and most people these days start with a search engine. Their customer journey starts with a search engine and it could, it could start with Bing or Google or Baidu or whatever the search, AOL, or whatever the search engine is, and it may go to social media, and then it may go back from social media back to the website. So there's a, there, there, there's a multi-linear customer journey going on, and the, beautiful, the beauty of digital marketing, we can track that, and we can, the attribution, where did the customer come from? That customer may come from multiple touch points, but the beauty of digital marketing now we can measure those multiple touch points, and it's so important, but it does take patience. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and that's what I want to urge our listeners. If, uh, if we get a couple things across over the course of this interview, is that in order to, in this conversation, in order to truly understand this, it requires an inquisitive mind, I believe, and the willingness to look at the bifurcation between a business plan and a business model and understand how both of those things work. It also is important to understand the sophistication of the platforms available and how properly understanding those 
can help us avoid or at least mitigate the stupidity taxes. Inevitably, I think all of us pay a little bit, that there's a way to shorten that learning curve and to avoid some of that. And I love what you said earlier, Stu. If you think it's expensive to hire a professional, wait till you hire an amateur. It's and you so know, true. And you know, okay. and, you know for the, and for the flip side of that, in my almost 20 years in business, I've been very reluctant to get involved in projects that are too much of a stretch. I remember I was in business for four, I'm, I'm gonna share this story very quickly and then you'll see how it ties to our wrap up here. Um, I was in business for four months and uh, one of my referral partners connected me with somebody and uh, we were uh, thinking about, well, how are we gonna run all kinds of ads for these people and, and uh, how many ads per day? And I'm trying to do calculations in my head based on not knowing a damn thing. And, yep. I had, and I had all these uh, success coaches saying, do it, do it, do it, do it. Just say yes and figure it out later. Yep. Well, you know, you can say yes and figure it out, out later on how to write a special report. I mean, okay, but, uh, or a 10-part email follow-up sequence when somebody opts in. But when it comes to managing pay-per-click and looking for capturing intent and where you are in the funnel and everything else and uh, negative keywording, you can't screw it, let's do it for that. They need, they need somebody like, I'm going to say candidly, like you. So as we wrap up here, and we are at the end of our time, I'd like you to take just one minute and let people know what it's like when they reach out to you. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, well, the, the best way to get a hold of me is to go to my, go to my website at atkinsmarketingsolutions.com. Atkins with a T like the diet, no relation yep. to Dr. Atkins. Right. And, uh, and my website has a, a lot of free marketing information, close to 350 blog posts, as I mentioned. There's a contact page and my phone number and emails uh, on the contact page of the website. But it's a good resource for a lot of information. And if you have a, a, a business uh, that's interested in, in paid search, and uh, you're welcome to contact me. And there's some videos on my uh, website also that I, in fact, I just re released a recent promotional video that's been very popular on paid search. That's on the homepage, but that's how you get a hold of me. Perfect. And I do want to remind people again, AtkinsMarketingSolutions.com. That's A-T-K-I-N-S, like the diet is Stu says. And that's where you find a lot of really awesome articles, like that one about toilet seats. <laughs> I, yeah, love that, how, I love how you did that and I want to make sure we highlighted that once again because that right there is an example of using your offline marketing to support your search engine marketing strategy which is something we don't often discuss and that's marketing by the seat of your pants too and sometimes uh, well you think about it that's how you drive a car <laughs> literally <laughs> that, that pun was intended Exactly. I, oh, I caught it. Oh, it was very punny. You're a funny guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Stu Atkins of AtkinsMarketingSolutions.com. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me in education. Thank you, Adam. I, I, I loved it. It was great. Thanks for taking the time and having me on. All right, for our listeners, we trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.